As you know, we are studying through the book of Genesis, and we're trying to make applications to each chapter, something relevant from this most ancient book of the Bible, make it relevant to our lives today. And we're into Genesis chapter 35, rather interesting chapter, we're going to deal with death and how to deal with the death, the, those who are dying and those who are, have passed on. And, and you and I, as we pass through the valley of the shadow of death, which is what Psalm 23 is really about, how do we deal with that? Well, here we go. Here are five questions for those of you who are part of the School of Biblical Studies, so you can have them and be ready to fill in the blanks, as it were, as we move along. Got them? All right. Dealing with death. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, in a moment I'm going to give you the Genesis passage, but let's start here. Because I think that as you see what he, Paul, is going to say to the church of Thessalonica, it will help you to understand and appreciate what's going to happen in Genesis 35. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We're going to see that in chapter 35, there's actually going to be three people who are going to pass away. Two are very prominent individuals. And as they pass away, we're going to see how Jacob deals with their passing. Uh, all three of these, get we're going to gain a principle for e from, for e from each of them. But one of the things I think is important for us to recognize, and obviously I realize that this is written to the New Testament church, folks who are this side of the cross, not Old Testament folks. But even back in the day, certainly for Jacob, who is a man who has been communicating with God, being protected by, by God throughout his life, etc., he has a much greater hope in the future than does the the people around about it, the pagans who are uh, trusting upon trusting in, in gods that don't even exist. Okay, and so Paul is saying to the church of Thessalonica that it's important for us as Christians to make sure that we keep our focus where it needs to be, especially when dealing with this transient life that we are in. Now, let's put up the passage from Genesis 35, and you begin to see what I'm saying here. In Genesis 35, we're going to see verses eight. Don't skip and skip because just because I don't have enough screen, uh, but you're going to see the, the basic bulk of the material, Genesis chapter 35. Three points I want you to draw from this with regards to death. And Deborah, who is Rebecca's nurse, she died, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alon Bukath, which means oak of weeping, oak of weeping. The first application that I would draw with regards to how Jacob dealt with death, is tears are appropriate. It's okay to cry. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to go through a lengthy period of struggling with the passing of a loved one. Uh, my wife, my father-in-law, uh, and others who I know are still struggling with the passing of my mother-in-law and still trying to find a normalcy of their in their life, etc. It's okay to go through that period. In fact, I think one of the things that the devil will often do to us to keep us from fully healing is to try to make us feel guilty for weeping over the loss of a loved one. I mean, we're always told, you know, they're in a better place. You know, one day we get to go to be with them. They get to be with the Lord right now. Why aren't we happy for them? And so we begin to feel guilty because I'm not happy. You're not, it's not that you're not happy that they're with the Lord. It's that you are unhappy that you no longer get to be with them in this, or and maybe even addition, I wish I could be with them too right now. I know some of those who are dealing with death right now, they, they have that, I wish I could just go and be with them. 
which all ties back into our passage from 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Because of Jesus, there is no sting in death. There is no victory in death. And therefore, you and I not, need not dread it. But when one of our loved ones passes over ahead of us, there is an absence. And so he doesn't say, do not grieve. Notice that that's not in the passage. He says, you may not grieve as others do. In other words, there's a grieving. It's just not the same type of grieving. It's okay, number one, to have tears. That is appropriate. Number two, as we're dealing with death, notice that you move further into the passage, verse 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have had another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. And that's, of course, how we remember him. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Another famous town, very small, tiny little podunk, not known for anything you would think, like Nazareth. And then David comes along. Jesus is going to get born there, you know, etc. All right, so you got Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Second thing that I think uh, application we can draw, and that is that memorial markers are appropriate. Cindy and I just, uh, within the last week, we actually took a, uh, I guess it was, I don't know, about 10 days ago, we actually went out to the memorial marker for her mom. And we looked at the flowers, and we tried to arrange things nicely, etc. Uh, because Cindy wanted to, she wanted to do that, and I felt like that, that was appropriate for her. Memorial markers are not wrong. Now, I think that one of the things that we do as Christians need to remember is that that's not really where they're at. The memorial, memorial marker is really for the world. It's really there to say to the world, we remember this particular person. But I'll be honest with you, I, I think personally that the better place for you to go if you want to spend time thinking about that individual is probably where you had your last conversation with them. That is a spot that ought to come to your mind that you could, you actually had interaction, you had you know connection with them. But the, the second application that I would draw to this is that memorial markers are appropriate. In fact, in a lot of ways, we underappreciate memorial markers. I, I'm going to talk about my mom for just a second. My mom's a big, big genealogist, and uh, she has done research that's taken our family back I don't know how long. I mean, practically, practically to Jesus. And uh, I, I'm really proud of the work that my mother has done. She's got an entire wall in her little house that is covered by the books of the stuff that she has researched with regards to our family. But one of her goals when her and dad pass is that on their tombstone, their memorial marker, that she carries out, etched in stone, the family tree of both individuals. That can be so invaluable to future generations as they're trying to put together family histories and things of that nature. Now, I have no idea what was on this memorial marker. I doubt it's going to be was as detailed as what's going to happen with regards to my mom's memorial marker. But think of how appropriate it is for us to not forget that one of the reasons I'm even in existence is because of these people who have a memorial marker there that says that they once existed in the flesh that allowed me to come about in the flesh as well. So the second thing in dealing with death is, number one, tears are appropriate and memorial markers are appropriate, as we see here in verse 20. 
Number three, <coughs> Jacob is going to spend some time with his dad before his father passes, Isaac. And it says that now the days of Isaac were 180 years. That's a long time to live. And Isaac breathed his last, and he died and was gathered to his people, old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. I've used this part of this passage many times at funeral services, especially at the gravesite, to suggest that it is appropriate for us to come together. Notice what's going to happen. That he, he is full of days, he is an old man, and then his sons are going to bury him. Third point, family reunions are appropriate. I just recently saw something on social media that was basically berating individuals who only get together when there's a death in the family. And although that is probably something worth us considering, you know, it's unfortunate. The only time we ever see each other is when somebody dies. And although you can kind of rip on people for that, there's also a natural tendency to understand why that happens. Life gets busy. As we develop our families, we go off in separate directions, all of those kind of things. But what's the one thing that often draws us back together? It's when we lose somebody that's been precious to us in the past. Somebody has given us foundation, etc. And that's what happens here. His sons Esau and Jacob, they're going to come together to bury Dad. And in that process, there's going to be a family reunion, and that's appropriate. Tears are appropriate. Memorial markers are appropriate. Family reunions are appropriate. And so as you deal with death, I would suggest to you that one of the things that Satan likes to do is he likes to pile on. I'll give you a different illustration, then I'll come back to the death illustration. You have a bad thought. Maybe as a guy, it's a lustful thought, or whatever it may be. As a girl, it's going to have lustful thoughts as well. But you have a bad thought. And so you're thinking about not thinking. I, I can't be thinking about those thoughts, Right? And then you feel guilty because you're thinking about not thinking, which makes you think. I know you're saying, that sounds strange, but you can relate to what I'm talking about. Same thing is true with death. I think what the devil does, he likes to pile on. And he likes to do everything that he can. When you're, when you're at your lowest, he likes to just get on top of you and keep you down. And you're at your lowest oftentimes when somebody close to you has passed away. And now he wants you to feel guilty because you're shedding tears. Because you're supposed to be happy because they're gone to be with God. You see what he's piling on. There's nothing wrong with you being sad that you had this absence from your loved one. There's nothing wrong with you putting up a marker to remind you of some of the specifics, especially I like what my mom's planning to do with regards to the genealogy on, on her marker, so that people can have the information as to why this person was important to my existence. And there's nothing wrong with having family reunions, coming together. And if that's the only time your family actually can come together to unify and be back, then so be it. Don't berate them because that's the only time they get together. Celebrate the fact that they're actually getting together. Here are five questions that I tried to cover in that little time together. I hope that we did a good job. I think we did. 